0: sleepcoolnow.com 1212.
1: number two of the World According to Zig podcast for February 19th, 2017. My name is John Ziegler. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week and the events of my often bizarre life and where we provide you with hours of an oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. This being hour number two, this is the hour where we traditionally do our weekly interview and really looking forward to... Uh, the subject of this week's interview because he's an old friend of mine who I haven't spoken to in several years. He's a guy I'm sure you know. He's the former host of the nightly show on Comedy Central. He's a comedian, an actor, a producer, a commentator, and a former golfing partner of mine. He is Larry, Larry Wilmore. Larry, welcome to the podcast.
2: <laughs> you're very, you're very kind. Vic. You're the golfer. I'm the pretend the golfer.
1: Well, we had some good times on the golf course. And as I tried to give you a few lessons and, and I thought, and, you know, and and Larry, you know, our, our golfing experience, um, Uh taught me a lot about you. I thought, because Mm I, you know, I really respect you. I think you, you know, you're a liberal, you know, you're a liberal, but you are a very smart guy. You, you think about things rationally, intellectually, you're Mm open-minded. And I've always enjoyed your, your work, especially, you know, you, you you came to my attention before I, we played golf together as the yeah. uh, the black correspondent on the Daily Show, which I thought was hilarious.
2: Now, senior black correspondent.
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, senior yeah. black correspondent. Yes, <laughs> make and, sure we get that right. Right, and because and, 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 the, and the part of that I liked the most was you seemed to you know you you attacked both sides. You know, the, yes. you, you attacked political correctness, and you also Correct. Um, I I thought fought for. For what might be considered more the liberal side of things at times as well, Isn't that, sure. and, and that's sure. why that's why I like kind of the
2: nature of that show. Yeah,
1: right. So, right. so there's so many things I want to talk to you about, especially since we haven't spoken in a few years. But you've made some sure. news this week um, when you appeared on Real Time with Bill Maher, and mm-hmm. uh, you were on with Milo Iannopoulos, and this show made some news before it even began because one of the <laughs> one of the people that was scheduled to come on decided to not come on because they wanted to protest Milo being booked. What did you make mm-hmm. of that? What did you make of that as you were being, I, you were already booked on the show. What did you make of that mm-hmm. uh, happening?
2: Well, I didn't really know it was happening. I, I've been kind of busy just doing some, uh, I'm back to kind of uh, being behind the scenes of producing and developing, and I've just been really, really busy. So, you know, I was booked for the show like a couple of months ago, and uh, so I, I hadn't really thought about it. You know, I was going to start thinking about it as I get closer. Okay, what, what's happening? <laughs> what are we doing on the show here, right? And somebody, I think on Twitter or something, said, hey, are you going to drop out too? And I'm like, drop out too? What are you talking about? You know, so I didn't really didn't know anything about it. Um, I didn't even know Milo was booked on the show until I saw the controversy. But uh, I guess he felt, I can't speak for Jeremy, I guess he spoke. Felt strongly about not appearing but I would never drop out of a show because someone was on that I disagreed with I mean uh, for me personally that would be the reason to stay on the show
1: <laughs> right I mean, don't don't you think I mean look I'm not a big fan of Milo for those who don't know Milo Milo is a a guy who uh, became known as a, sure. as a Breitbart uh, reporter yeah. columnist commentator he's openly gay uh, mm-hmm. he's a British he's a fire a bomb thrower um it appears to me i'm curious if you agree with this i see milo as mostly an actor do you see him as an Mm -hmm. actor
2: i don't know if actor is the right word i think he calls himself a provocateur which is probably more to the point you know i think he it it appears and i can only say from what i see it appears that he enjoys provocation you know and he has his own point of view that he you know, uses for that type of provocation because the people that seem to follow him, most of their revelry is the fact that people are being engaged or triggered, as they say, and they seem to enjoy that part of it. So I think it's the provocation uh, that I think is the thing that is his is this kind of a um, appeal right now, I think, because he's not, you know, he's not like presenting policy that he wants, you know, People to <laughs> advance or anything like that. He's not a politician. He's not really an activist. You know, none he's, he's of those kind of things.
1: Well, well, Larry, the, back to the issue of of what happened with Milo's appearance and, sure. and one of the panelists dropping out. Don't you think that the left and and that and this is not obviously you already said this is not your reaction. You did the show and you never think about dropping out. But doesn't mm-hmm. dropping out doesn't that give Milo exactly what he wants like, by creating a false controversy and and also creating hypocrisy with regard to the issue of freedom of expression?
2: Well, if you look at it from the provocation point of view, then I would agree with you on that. I don't know if his his uh, reason to appear on the show was that sinister or that thought through that hopefully people would drop out, you know. But I think those types of incidents kind of make his point for him. But I think, I don't know if it's made too much at real time, so much as it's made on the Berkeley campus. I think it was Berkeley who was supposed to speak. Yes. Where there was, where there was such a big reaction to that, you know, that I think that kind of helps to make his point.
1: Oh no question about it. and I've written about that. That the the, 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 uh, the activists who did the riots at Berkeley gave Milo exactly what he wanted. Without the riots at Berkeley, he's probably not on real time. Uh, you Correct. know, and that's the way this this media game works. You know, you work your way up the food chain. And by the way, I was stunned. That, and I, I'm wondering if you can maybe give us some insight on this as to whether or not this was always planned. I was stunned that Milo was worthy of a one-on-one sit down with Bill Maher to start the show. I mean, that that's usually, <laughs> I mean, well, did, was that the way it was always planned? I don't
2: know. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't work on the show. But it seems to me, you have to understand, Maher is a huge proponent of free speech. You know, he's been, he lost his show on ABC and went to HBO because of the right. comments he made about uh, dropping bombs or something and how that was safe or, or something like that. I can't remember. I don't want to misquote it. It was 9-11 but,
1: about right, who, who, was, yeah. who was really courageous and, and who was the yes, coward. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly, you know.
1: And, uh, and, you know, it's one of
2: his issues. And I think one of the – it seemed to me that he wanted to have that person on the show directly because of what happened at Berkeley because some of those same things happened – to Bill Maher, where he was going to, I don't know, he may, have, I think he was going to speak at Berkeley or somewhere, I think, in California, where there was a protest because of his stance on um, on, on Islam and... and uh,
1: right. Right. Well, I guess my point about the Milo getting the one-on-one interview is I'm just – I was just stunned that he's of that stature now.
2: Yeah, I mean, but it's TV, John. Come on. I mean, it's television. It's not that big of a – it's not like he sat with the president for Christ's sake. He's sitting on a well, comedy show, really, at the end of the day. No, but these – but see, I this mean, is
1: but – Larry, but, Larry, these things matter. It's a step-by-step process. And, you know – Oh,
2: absolutely. No, but I'm talking about – if he was worthy of it, when you say that, if the people on the show want to interview somebody, you know, that's what they do. That's I'm just saying how television works, not whether or not a person is worthy of an interview, which is a completely different thing.
1: Okay. All right. Well, let's let's talk about what happened with you and Milo in the after show. And I was amazed how much publicity this got. I don't know if you were or not, but mm-hmm. th- this was a big deal on Twitter and on uh, on uh, right. and a lot of news coverage because after mm-hmm. the show is over, you guys do uh, I guess uh, an internet version of the program, and you and yeah, Milo had- overtime and mm-hmm. overtime, and you and Milo had. A back and forth, which ended rather dramatically with you saying this about Milo. You can go fuck yourself, all right? Yeah. All right. So,
2: so well, tell I us. I think that's how it started. I don't think that's how it ended. Okay. Well, tell,
1: give us your version of, of, of how that happened.
2: Well, it's funny. That wasn't said in a vacuum. He had just called both me and Malcolm X stupid and having low IQs. Now, look, I'm a comedian. If somebody wants to call a comedian stupid, whatever, you know, but... You're gonna call Malcolm that stupid, and you're saying that to our face. It's first of all, it's so rude that someone, another guest, is gonna say that on a show. I've never have experienced someone being that outwardly rude to somebody's face like that, especially using the word stupid. I mean, come at me with something better, you know, rather than stupid. Is the last thing you would describe me as? Right. You know, if he's gonna if he's gonna call me unfunny, then at least that's subjective. You know, you can go with that. You know, but uh. So I was defending myself when I said that because I'm thinking, wait, hold on. I don't know what the rules are for language in the show, but you can but, say whatever John, you I want, think, whatever
1: you want, Larry.
2: I'm, well, John, I'm thinking, motherfucker, you're going to call me stupid? Are you serious? Let alone Malcolm Nance. I mean, I mean, anyone on that panel, you can't make that charge. I just felt that charge was ridiculous, you know. So, and also, I was really uh, the other part of that panel that really got me was that he was a gay man. Who was making the exact same charge against transgender that was made against homosexuals for years and years, that that uh, because of the nature of who they were, we had to be afraid of them because they were some kind of sexual predators, you know, and that sexual predator argument was being made against transgender people, and I just felt that was a horrible thing to do, you know, is to use that as an argument.
1: All right, so so take me through this, Larry, because I'm curious. Now, you know, obviously. You you know when you tell him, uh, you know. You can go fuck yourself, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you you know that that's going to be a big deal.
2: Whatever. Did, did, did well, you? He shouldn't. He shouldn't call me stupid and have a low IQ. No, no,
1: I'm not. I'm not criticizing you for it. I'm right. curious. Was that planned, or when did you decide no, that was absolutely was... not? Oh, so so no, 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 no. so so how did you decide to do that?
2: I listened to what he had to say, and I
0: responded.
1: <laughs> Fair. I, I am a,
2: as we say in the barbershop, I'm a grown ass man, John. I'm not going <laughs> to sit there and have some little, some little asshole call me stupid. I mean, what do you think I am? I mean, right. seriously, John. I got it, John. In our conversation, has either of us ever called the other stupid? No. no. It. No, it's ridiculous. No. You know.
1: No, I don't. think, Well, but I know you well enough to know that you're not dumb, and uh, and and hopefully uh, vice versa. But but
2: it's a silly insult. It's it's just insult, and but. People acted like I was the one who just, without provocation, made this huge uh, angered insult. I wasn't angry. I'm passionate about things, but I certainly wasn't angry. So
1: so bottom line, what did you make of him? See, I, I think he's a fraud. I, I think he's just... Mm-hmm.
2: I, I, yeah, a lot of people have said that. Yeah.
1: What do you make? Because because here's my thing on Milo. If he was, was not gay and didn't have a British accent, no one would pay him any heed at all.
2: Yeah. Um he certainly uh, has a lot of uh, people behind him, and uh, it's it's hard. You know, I always take people at their word, John. I'm kind of the opposite. I never look for people to be fake or fraught. I take them at their word. At their word. If they're saying something that is uh, that incendiary, well, I'm going to assume that they believe that first. You know, and I feel... It's the they have the opposite burden. The opposite burden is to prove that they're not that crazy, as opposed to that they are. Right.
1: Well, fair <laughs> enough. Enough <laughs> about Milo, because there's just a lot of other things yeah. I want to talk with uh, Larry Wilmore, sure. our guest, about. Some of which came up within the the real time Bill Maher show, and and that is really, yeah. I think, this larger issue mm-hmm. of uh, comedians in the era of Trump. And yeah. and Maher has taken, I think, an interesting tact, and I, I have to say uh Larry that uh, you know you and I have talked a lot about politics back when we were mm-hmm. golfing together and I never thought that we would ever have a situation where we would be so in unison on a presidential mm-hmm. candidate as we are with with Donald Trump but more mm-hmm. but more seems like he has really decided that this is a true cause like that he he really believes that the country is in grave danger because of Donald <clears throat> Trump and that he, much somewhat like some of your other cohorts, like John Stewart and Stephen Colbert <clears throat> and John Oliver, they seem to be very serious about <clears throat> trying to fix this. I'm curious, what do you make of that tactic by your fellow comedians?
2: Well, it's hard for me to say, you know, to criticize someone's approach because I don't know what goes into what they're doing, all I can do is comment on on the surface part of it, which is how Donald Trump is being treated, right? So to me, I said while he was running that I felt he was an existential threat to the United States of America. Now I I kind of take that back. I believe he's more of an existential threat to the security of the free world. I mean, when he's made oh, the well, comments, that's good. <laughs> yeah, because no, because look, look, well, look at the comments he's made about NATO. I mean, you can't make those types of comments, those casual. You know, threatening, uh, threatening comments to your allies like that, especially in a region that is still being threatened by the likes of Putin. You know, I mean, you can't make comments like that. That does threaten the security of the free world. You know, Um, and even the casual comments he's made about nuclear war and 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 who should have nukes. You know, is his the way it's so hilarious. The way he's walked back his stance on China after he was kind of you know,
1: right. Well, well no, <laughs>
2: look, I got on gonna... the phone with the Chinese leader. You know?
1: no, no, Larry, these, these I think are very
2: important issues.
1: No, no, Larry, you and I are going to agree almost uh, wholeheartedly on who Donald Trump is and and why he's a threat and, and a danger. Maybe we'll differ in some minor sure. respects, but 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 my my curiosity here is with regard to the way the comedy world and including some of your close associates have dealt with trump i I was really taken aback and and frankly part of me respected it i'm like wow these guys really seem to care about the future of the country somewhat more than the so-called respected journalists did because they were during the campaign and certainly after his, his inauguration comedians have been tougher on him than than many in the major news media would you agree with that
2: that's probably true you know i think uh the last few years, and John Stewart probably was the leader of that movement of comedians feeling more emboldened to be making actual commentary and not just funny commentary, you know, uh, about what's going on, you know. Uh, Samantha Bee, I would throw in there as well, sure. you know, whose, whose comments are biting first, you know, and, you know, they're so biting and scathing. It's almost alarming in some ways, you but- know.
1: But do you see that there's a some? I guess what I'm getting at is two things: whether it's a smart tactic, and two, I'm somewhat surprised because I see it as a little bit of a not a little bit, a lot of a, a conflict of interest. In that, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to comedy. So, so aren't comedians simultaneously thrilled that Trump is president as well as horrified?
2: Well, I always said sometimes what's bad for the country is good for my business. Unfortunately, right. <laughs> you know? But uh, I think if you look at like what Stephen Colbert does, you know, he maintains like a sense of humor about it, but still has that sense of peril that you talked about. You know, I think that is underneath there. He kind of uh, he kind of does, I think, what it is that you'd like for him to do. But I think that everybody has their own approach to things. I mean, Oliver, he he's just as uh, alarmed about. Uh, you know, internet issues and privacy issues as it is about this issue. So he gets alarmed about everything. That's just his personality, you know. Well,
1: speaking of John Oliver, uh, Larry, real quick on John Oliver, I thought that during the campaign, John Oliver did a better job of journalism on Donald Trump than almost any major news media outlet. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you see what I'm saying with that? I mean, isn't that remarkable? Isn't, isn't that <laughs> remarkable that a British, a British comedian did a better job of journalism in vetting our president than the news media did?
2: Well, what's sad is that a lot of the news media I think they rely on relationships and favors and coddling sometimes to get stories and information because they have people that give them information, right? So they have to maintain relationships with people who would like leak right. or that sort of thing, you know. So I think unfortunately part of what they're doing is maintaining relationships while they're reporting and I think that can get in the way of it. I made fun of this during the White House Correspondents Center where I said, you know, I talked about how Morning Joe, where they were so cozy to Trump for so long, where they had their head up Trump's ass so far they bumped into Chris Christie. Was my comment on it, right? Because <laughs> he was up there. But uh, but I just find a lot of that alarming, you know. But uh, I think the media is is maybe changing a little bit on that because of Trump's opinion of the of the media and his treatment of them. So I think they're not worrying about that as much.
1: Well, here, here's the thing, Larry. About
2: and here's here's the thing, and let me just say this to John. I, like people say, Larry, if you had a chance to talk to Trump, what would you say? And I said, look, I don't care about talking to Trump. I want the media to be asking him the tough questions of reporters. I, I am very passionate that we maintain a free press and that the press is not attacked in the way that it is. And I know every president has their way of going after the press because they're not happy about it. But when the president says the press is the enemy of the American people as opposed to my enemy, that is a very dangerous statement as far as I'm concerned. And that that alarm. I know I know I'm a comedian, Jon. And I know, you know, I, I shouldn't worry about those things or whatever. But it's that's why I think some people find it hard to make fun of some of the things that he says. You know.
1: Well, let me throw a a, a, a theory or a narrative at you, and I want to get your reaction. Sure. See, see, um, obviously, because you know I'm a conservative, but you also know yeah. I, I don't like Trump. So I was incredibly mm-hmm. conflicted uh, during this whole campaign. And, yeah. and and while but I you've always gone you've always been in your own lane though. Yeah.
2: <laughs> You're not the <laughs> yeah, only I mean, one to say fair, that right?
1: that's a fair statement. But but it's here's very true. But here's the thing, Larry. I, 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 um, I was I had real respect for for people like yourself and for Oliver and, and Stewart and, and Colbert and, and, and Marr who, who seem to be really based in conviction. Mm-hmm. But I also was struck by the fact that much like the mainstream news media. Comedians who destroyed Sarah Palin, made her her completely unelectable for dog catcher for all time, have Mm -hmm. lost, much like the news media, have lost their power to take out Trump. And here's my theory why. The reason why it didn't have a larger impact is because for eight years, much like the mainstream news media, you guys in the comedy world, you laid down for Barack Obama. And because um, you refused to kid about him, you refused to criticize him, you refused to joke about him because it would be seen as racist, then you lost your credibility because it was seen, you were not seen as objective. You were seen as being part mm-mm. of the left. Am I right in that?
2: I think part of what you're saying has, has some credibility, but only uh, in terms of entertainment. Because I, I think you give too much credit to comedians' ability to really affect change. And some people have written about this, called it the John Oliver effect, like, does John Oliver really have an effect on what goes on? And I'll, and I'll tell you what I mean by this. I really believe that most elections are reactions to previous elections more than anything else. And okay. and Barack Obama's ascendancy was more due to a reaction to Bush. And Sarah Palin was a minor player in that, not a major player. In fact, she overshadowed, if anything, she was the star of that campaign and overshadowed her, the the... The supposed lead of that campaign, which was John McCain, and that right. was a problem. Right. That was a huge problem. That was a bigger problem than anything Team A would have done. But but,
1: but John, but, um, but Larry, why did why did the comedians and the news media have the ability to destroy Palin, but not Trump?
2: No, but you, I I disagree with your premise. the The comedians didn't destroy Palin. What happened was Barack Obama's ascendancy was more important than John McCain's candidacy. That's what I'm telling you, and that Palin was. I mean, look. I, if you if you're telling me, and I know you did some work with Palin on her doc or whatever. Right. But John, if you're sitting there and you're telling me that Palin is a a worthy, you know, leader of the conservative ideology or a worthy uh, person to be leading the country, I have a huge disagreement with you. I think that was a matter of time before that was going to. No, but she was going but to be seen. But for my anal- but
1: Larry, just to be clear, my analogy and and, and you know. Oh, and I, I'll
2: go and I'll go and I'll, and I'll go further in this. Now, if you look at Trump, on the other hand, I believe also that Trump is a reaction to Obama more than, more than he beat Hillary Clinton. I agree. I believe, I believe that issue is bigger than the Hillary Clinton issue. So when people can't believe how he could have beat Hillary Clinton, I say, you're wrong about this. He just beat Barack Obama. He didn't beat Hillary Clinton. People are reacting. Now, here's where I would agree with you. I think a lot of the voting for Trump is reacting to a lot of the left movement in the country. You know, and and a lot of uh, the left having the the moral authority in the press and and in and in the in the reporting and things. I I absolutely would agree with that. But I think you're giving way too much credit to a comedian's ability to affect change and affect. I don't know about lives. that. I, I
1: disagree with that. Because, just to be I clear, don't know. Well, hold on a second. If we had, had that much power. Are you kidding me? Well, wait Doug a, Stewart never would have left the Daily Show. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> hold on, Larry. Larry, let me let me make my side of the argument with regard sure. to, with regard to Palin. Um, as many problems as Palin has, she is still light years ahead of Donald Trump. At least the, the version of in the version that I knew of Sarah Palin in two thousand nine mm. as governor of Alaska, I, sure. I would take every single day of the week over Donald sure. Trump. Okay. Um, but so,
2: uh, unfortunately she was more interested in, in self promotion yes, than Donald as Trump it, is. And Donald Trump does that better.
1: I well, okay, fine. But but here's the yeah. thing. Just with regard to my the issue of of my overestimating comedian's power i think you can make a very strong argument that the that you could determine the winner of each presidential election in my lifetime up until this one based upon how saturday night live played the two candidates and
2: i i, <laughs> I think it's more coincidence than anything else but i do not think it is a causation i really okay. have to disagree with you right. i mean Look, if you look at the i mean look i i I'm as much a historian of this as you are, John. You mm-hmm. know that you know we, i sure. I think we could we could probably go back to many elections and and look at these things and but uh I, I mean, you can just pick one I mean, look at Bush gore, you know uh I mean look how much uh Bush was lampooned in that election, nope. and had no right to win after the Clinton economy, you know. Gore had every right to win that election, but they made and yet,
1: but, but the comedians made fun of Al Gore and the lockbox.
2: They made fun but, of Bush too. They made right, fun and of that's Bush and what, what
1: and what ended up happening? We had the closest election of all time because Saturday Night Live couldn't figure out who they favored. So no,
2: but it shouldn't have been that close when you look at the actual politics of it. Okay. You know, all right, well, but, yeah.
1: Well, this is an interesting discussion, but there's so many other things I want to talk about with. with, with yeah, with, baby. Right, with, <laughs> so so you were hosting this show uh, called the Nightly Show on Comedy Central. Uh huh. Thanks and, for reminding me. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> and and it ends up um ending just as Donald Trump's candidacy yeah. is taking off. Painful. I, 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 tell me about that emotionally It must be you must feel incredibly frustrated <laughs> by that, aren't you, yeah, Larry? Thank,
2: thank you for opening my wounds. Dad. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Larry, how bad do you feel right now? Do you cry every night? How does that work exactly? How does a comedian handle just defeat, utter defeat. Uh, no, look, uh, of course, I was very upset that that went away. Just as, just as it was getting so interesting, too. I mean, all the best stuff happened, of course, after those uh, conventions and everything, you know, in the election. So many interesting things. And we, were, and we felt we were just finding our stride as a show as well. You know, it takes a while to, to find out where you, you know, what your voice is and how you can get that voice across in the best type of way, Right. Some people find it quicker than others, but you know it takes takes a while like if you look at Seth Myers, it took him a whole year and a half to really. You know, be comfortable and find himself, and do what
1: he's doing. I think he's doing great. Well, when you mention your voice on the nightly show, and, and look, timing—timing yeah. timing is everything in life—and yes. and you got screwed Absolutely. with timing on this because yeah. obviously, if Trump had come around six months earlier, your show would still be uh-huh. on the air because it's the basically the full employment act of all comedians—the uh, Donald Trump presidency and 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 his entire candidacy. But but with regard to Although your, I would
2: argue you're not factoring uh, the unpredictability of showbiz, which a lot of people don't that's realize true. is is so unpredictable and you never know why certain things happen. And when you try to explain it to people, you go, it's showbiz. I can't explain it.
1: Well, let me ask you about your voice because this is something that confused me in watching the nightly sure. show. I sure. felt that the Larry Wilmore that I saw on the nightly show was different mm-hmm. than the Larry Wilmore that I thought I knew from the golf course and from mm-hmm. even the daily show. It felt sure. to me as if you were more this is oversimplification, but it felt like mm-hmm. you were more left on the mm-hmm. nightly show, than what I thought I knew of you. What do you? How do you yeah. respond to that?
2: I would say that that's a fair uh, assessment of what you're saying because uh, if you know me personally, you would consider me more. Of what I, I borrowed this phrase from Dennis Prager, who's a conservative radio host here, a passionate centrist. So I always call it myself, and and I say the way I define that is not ideologically, but half the time I disagree with myself because you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> because I always like I say, hey, if 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 facts and evidence prove my opinion wrong, I have to go to facts and evidence, and I have to drop my opinion. That's only fair, right? Right. And I, and I try to lead my life like that. Now, doing a TV show is a little different because it's more of a TV version of something, and it, it's more of a, let's say, a um, a more focused uh, take on things. And it's not that these that show does not represent my opinions because they do, but I'm being very focused in what I'm choosing to cover. In other words, let me give it a different way. So John Stewart created the Nightly Show. He basically asked if I wanted to do it, and I said yes. And one of the ideas was to take on the role of the underdog in society. And uh, John was very passionate uh, about uh, covering race, gender, and class as part of that. And when you're covering those things, naturally, because these are social issues out there, but actually your point of view is going to be more or less because that's where you're finding a lot of uh, the, the underdog points of view in these issues, you know. And uh, I like, for instance, if we were talking about sports, it wouldn't have that, it wouldn't feel like that in some ways, you know, or uh, or depending on what you're focusing on. Now, I, I only say that to, to more clarify why it feels that way, because it's the nature of the things that we're covering. Uh, if it was strictly politics and not, more of the broad social issues, it might feel a little different as opposed to more t- taking on more of the social issues. And if, for me as a person, what you know about me is that I'm more, uh, I'm more center and more right when it comes to, let's say, financial issues and when right. it comes to uh, even some government issues. I'm not a big government liberal. I call myself a smart government liberal. Mm-hmm. You know, I want government to be smart more than anything else. I could, give a, I could give a damn whether it's big or small. That doesn't mean anything to me. Just be smart. Right. You know that's all I care about, right. But yeah. I am very passionate about social issues. And because we're covering that, that those are more left position issues. And that's why it comes across that way.
1: Well, and that gets me to to my next question, sure. because a lot of what you talked about on the nightly show, which shocked me. Was was obviously dealing with race, and you yeah. know, and and for those that don't know, you, you're a black guy. Um, and Yay. I, I know, <laughs> yeah, good good for you. Um, and, and for a lot of people that don't know, John is a white guy. Right, so that's probably shocking. Shocking. Yeah. I'm sure that's it's shocking. Probably shocking to a lot
2: of people. Right, right?
1: shocking. Um, but <laughs> just 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 to get that out there. But the, but here's sure. here's what surprised me. So mm-hmm. I don't feel. Knowing the Larry Wilmore that I know, that you—and mm-hmm. this is—I hate this term, but it's the only okay. one that comes to mind. I don't see you as a militant black guy. All right, I'm—I'm
2: I, I'm not a militant right, black guy.
1: Right, and so—so so it shocked me when mm-hmm. you were doing the White House correspondence Dinner and you mm-hmm. with uh, President Bush there. And you referred to him as a President as, Bush. I'm sorry, President Obama. I'm um, jeez, wow. President Obama. Holy okay. brain fart, uh, uh, mm-hmm. would re- boy, you would have really made news had you referred <laughs> yes. to President Bush as a nigger. I mean, that would have really made news. Wow. But, yeah, but, inst- but instead you referred to President Obama as a nigger. And no, I,
2: uh, that is not correct.
1: Okay. Um, what did you? How did I? What did I get wrong?
2: I I said he was my nigger. Okay, so I didn't say he was a nigga and and people said you called him the n word. I said no, I called him my, and that there's a distinction there. So explain it. Explain that. Sure, it's a huge difference, and and I disagree with your premise about by saying that somehow that makes me militant, because I you would have to just define what militant is. I'm asking people to take arms. No, no, I I, I said it was a poor.
1: I said it was a poor description. I don't. I didn't know how else to describe it.
2: but we're using words, so I think we should be careful. Sure. And that's why I'm making a distinction between what you're saying. Sure. Now, the best way I can describe the moment that I had with the president, and I feel the president understood it and some people out there, I have what I – this is a term that's used in acting. It's called public solitude mm-hmm. and having a private moment in public. Okay. This is a private cultural moment of using a word that has been used against our people in a horrible way. It was white people that came up with niggers, not black people, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was the culture that turned that around and made it into something else, disarmed it in many ways. And not, I'm not saying not all black people feel that way, you know. And to me, the significance of Obama's presidency, and my joke was that I voted for him because he was black. You know that that's a joke, but, but I also, that means a lot to me, his, the, the fact that a black man can lead the country. And that's why I made the statement about when I was a kid, a black man couldn't even be a quarterback of a football team. Right. Because people questioned uh, not just black leadership, but black legitimacy, period, you know? And, uh, and the meaning of that was so special to me. And the way that I expressed it was in a private way, but it was done in public where it's like, Hey man, you, my nigga, you know, that's like a private way that in the culture, we would say something like that. I, I wanted to turn that private into public. Okay. You know, and that, and that's what that moment was about. It wasn't a militant moment to to have people get angry about something or, you know, engage in some, you know, militantism or whatever you want to call it. Did, you
1: know. did did Obama know you were going to do that?
2: No, no one knew.
1: What was his reaction?
2: Well, if you look at his reaction, it was immediate and it was completely understood. And then after the fact, um, he defended me a couple of times. He defended me in the press uh, a couple of days later when he was asked about it. But he also quoted me in in, in the Howard commencement speech when he said, and as Larry Wilmore said, You know, and he talked about how black man couldn't be a quarterback in a football team, and that to me said, okay, well, we're on the same page. Thank you, Mr. President. Right. (laughs) Thank God. You know, but if you look at his reaction, he understood completely in the moment as it was being said. You know. And I get it. And John, I get it that a lot of people didn't understand that, and that it wasn't for everybody. And sometimes when you're doing like a moment like that, it's not meant to be the most popular thing or it's going to be fuzzy, warm, and people are going to embrace it. And I get that part of it. And it's kind of the risk of doing that type of thing.
1: Fair enough. Now, you you did this, Larry, at the White House Correspondents Dinner, which is already creating controversy in the era of Trump. There's been some people who have said that it should be canceled. There have been some media outlets that say they will boycott. Um, Mm -hmm. You you actually uh, seem to disagree with that based upon some statements that I heard you make on Bill Maher's show. What is your reaction to this controversy of how that event that you once hosted should be dealt with in the era of Trump? Well, if I were...
2: You know, I, I always said if you're a comedian and someone asked you to do that, I mean, of all the years to do it, this absolutely would be a year. I mean, you'd have an opportunity to sit right next to the leader of the free world and to basically roast him if you care to and roast the media or whatever. Why why of this year of all years would you turn that down? You know, it seems like a ripe opportunity, you know, to ply our trade, right, at a time when it's, you know, people would argue it's, it's really needed, you know. So I, I I think it's a great opportunity. The White House Correspondents Center itself, you can make an argument for whether it's an either or not. I have no problem with either of those arguments. I know it's also a charitable event, you know, and it, it has a lot of good causes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind the arguments for or against the dinner itself. But I, the argument to to uh, do jokes there, I think, is an argument that uh, has to be on the side of taking it, though.
1: And just one of the – I know I asked you this previously but we kind of got sidetracked because it's it's still an important point to me i want to make sure i get your your take on it because you kind of you you indicated that i was somewhat right but i want to i want to flesh it out a little bit more i I really think that comedy and comedians and people like you who are and and john stewart and and bill Mm -hmm. maher and and john John oliver and stephen colbert all of whom are really smart talented people with something to say y'all took a dive on barack obama do you not acknowledge that you did the, the, the comedy took a dive on Obama in comparison to past presidents? Do you acknowledge that?
2: Um, I would say a lot of... Yeah, you know, John, I would basically agree with you on that. If you're going to talk about uh, uh, using comedy to really uh, talk truth to a power in the era of Obama, I would agree with that, sure, because I think, uh, first of all, I think a lot of comedians... Felt hamstrung by not knowing how to make fun of Obama just because of his race, Right. you know. Before you even get to the issues, which I found ridiculous, you know. <laughs> like, why all of a sudden we can't make fun of the president, you know? Right. Uh, some of it is lamentable. I wasn't always in the position to do it myself. I was kind of doing other things during a lot of those early years, you know. I. Um, but I did a lot of. If you look at my Daily Show, I did some criticism of the president, and I did some of the other stuff too. You know, it depended on what on what the topic was. In fact, in the White House Correspondence Center, I, I made a comment to him about drones and drone strikes, which I was very critical of. And uh, even on the Nightly Show, I've, I've done some critical stuff on Obama on that show as well, you know, and as well as, as uh, well, some criticism of the left and, and of the Clintons, too, in general.
1: Well, I, I but, appreciate but That's why I like but, you. But I like I, your honesty because you're were, you were, you were honest I enough I to acknowledge that
2: i think your general point is well taken and i think bill maher actually made this point last year actually where he kind of lamented he took it upon himself he lamented the fact that he went after republicans so hard in some ways and he felt it kind of hurt. You know, there was kind of a, almost a hysteria he felt from his point of view.
1: Well, I, guess, my, my, I guess the moral, though, and, and I don't want to re-inst- you know, reinstigate the, the prior debate, but the, the moral of this, though, is that when you do that, you hurt your own credibility, which you might need in the case of a national emergency like Donald Trump. And, but,
2: but, John, but the other side is true as well. I've never seen Rush, Limba- Rush Limbaugh have a moment of reflection <laughs> you
1: know: Oh, oh, I, and I, 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 I am ripping Rush Limbaugh almost every day now. I mean, I, I you know,
2: and, and if you look at uh, even uh, there's some look, when I look at what people like Mitch McConnell and the people who actually have the ability to make change, you know, I mean, comedians, we make jokes, but your lawmakers can actually make real change. When someone like Mitch McConnell just makes it clear he has no desire to even work with the president, and his, his biggest goal was to make sure he was not elected. I mean, to me, that's way more significant than a comedian not doing the hardest jokes on Obama. All
1: right, uh, we can we can obviously agree to disagree on that. Last thing, Larry, and we're Wait, really, I, how how can we disagree on that? I mean, well, because I think, about
2: the the difference between lawmakers and comedians. No,
1: because here's well, just for the record, since you asked me, uh-huh. I've done a lot of research on this. I did a whole documentary and where I did polling data where people got their information and people get their information from the daily show and from the, and from, from comedy shows. And so
2: I understand, but not everybody does. And Mitch McConnell certainly does not. No,
1: but what I'm saying is that the people that influence elections, those people in the middle that don't pay much attention, the people that are actually malleable, those people, comedians have an enormous influence over. Then
2: how did, then how did Trump win?
1: Well, that's a great question. You know what? That, one, so your, one, you just your reminded me, falls, no, 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 falls no, Trump, only, Trump's, no, no. Trump's victory. Trump only got 46% of the national vote. He didn't really win. No, but, so, well, but hold well on. he's in the White House. I call that the winner. Right, by the way, <laughs> since we're speaking I think of
2: Hillary that. Clinton would consider him the winner okay. and not the loser.
1: No, but he was, with regard to the population, he didn't get anywhere near the majority of vote. By the way, that reminds me of well, a question,
2: but you're making a distinction between someone getting a majority of the American votes and winning.
1: Well, what I'm saying is that comedi- comedians clearly don't influence based upon electoral college votes. They might influence based upon the general population, but but, you're, but, but that
2: but, but I still think you're drawing a cause you're you're drawing a correlation there without having evidence for it. You, I mean, there's no evidence that people vote because of comedy shows. I mean, it's not I don't direct. Know that it's
1: subconscious. Evidence. It's subconscious. But, but I think I still think when you look at the number of people that even watch
2: those shows, it doesn't come close to the number of people that participate in it.
1: I'm talking about the people in the middle, the people that don't pay attention to the real news. But by the way, I want to ask more you, Larry.
2: Those, but more of those people watch Fallon than watch The Daily uh, Show.
1: Larry, let me let me ask you. did no, since, but, but, since no, you asked me a question. But you have to
2: agree with that. More If you're talking about people in the middle, more of those people are going to be watching Fallon than are going to right. be watching the Daily Show.
1: Okay. Well I, I, was, right? I would put the I would put the Fallon in that category of shows that would influence mm-hmm. people's votes. But let me yeah, ask but, you.
2: But, but he's not as partisan as those other shows.
1: I, I agree with that. But you asked a question, right. so let me a- ask you a question. Sure. Why on. didn't black people turn out for Hillary Clinton?
2: Did turn out for Hillary Clinton.
1: No, not in the numbers that they should have. Why, why didn't they?
2: Because because it, that has nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. No one can compete with the historical aspect of Barack Obama's presidency. Are you kidding me? No one can compete with that.
1: But why would you... Why, no, explain to me. Wait, let me ask you this. Did black people come out in
2: those numbers for Bill Clinton, the Obama numbers? Um, no, but did they didn't they come need out to. For they any, didn't need but, to. But did they come out for any president in the numbers they no. came out for No, Obama? they did not. May, but-
1: but, but, Correct. But here's what I didn't understand. Here's here's why I was wrong about the election. I figured that black people would at least, in an effort to to, to to defeat Donald Trump, would come out and be energized. Why did defeating Donald Trump not energize black people?
2: I don't know why we're blaming this election on black people. Black people get enough blame. for <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Now you're going to blame Trump on black well, people? The, Are you kidding me? No, well,
1: hold on a second, Larry. Sure was, uh... Larry. Larry, if if black people had come out in huge numbers in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, Hillary is is the president.
2: And they did I will make the argument that there were white people who voted for Obama who then voted for Trump. Why don't you blame those white people who switched look, their vote?
1: I'm not you're, you're presuming that I'm putting all the blame on black people. I'm not. You just did. I'm I'm <laughs> no look, we all know that all you black people are on the same email list, so you all know what happened. So well, I'm, I'm just asking to the for the
2: President, secret. April Ryan April Ryan has the algorithm of black Google and can find <laughs> anybody in the black world. All right.
1: Last question for you, Larry. Where where do you think this is all going with Trump? What's what's your gut tell you with regard to... That's that's a
2: very good question. Some people have conspiracy theories. They think uh, that a lot of people on the right want to get rid of Trump and put Pence in place as president. Um, Some people uh, think he's going to get impeached and that type of thing. Um, I think with all the craziness that's going on, if Trump pleases his core supporters, he'll get reelected.
1: I tend to agree with you. I, I, yeah. I and obviously it depends on it's, who who the Democrats run. I think Michelle Obama would beat him, but
2: she she's not going to run. But it's very hard, I believe
1: it's very hard to
2: beat an incumbent if 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 the incumbent supporters are still excited about that incumbent. I yeah, I feel it's very hard to beat an incumbent in that way. I agree with um, you. Um I agree with you. And people have to remember we're still engaged in this War and terror, whatever that means, you know, this ideological war that's not based on anything we've ever known about war and art in, in the history of the world, you know.
1: Fair um, enough. Well, well, Larry, I, I, I really enjoyed getting back in touch with you and talking with you because you're such a smart guy, and we agree on well, some things. So. We disagree on, on many right. others. Uh,
2: lot of difference, my friend.
1: <laughs> but, but you're honest about it, and that's what I really appreciate. And, and I, I'm, life, just, life. I'm glad that we could finally agree on a president. Uh, and, a, and a presidential candidate. I, and I had no idea that was ever going to happen, but I'm, s- I'm sad that it happened in the form of Donald Trump.
2: Uh, I know, but uh, hey, man, I don't. And and by the way, you know, just to answer your other thing, I I really don't mind being a voice for the underrepresented. And if people think I'm militant because of that or or too lefty, I really don't care about what the labels are. You know,
1: good for you. So, well, it Lar- doesn't matter to me, Larry. I hope we get the chance to tee it up again sometime. Yeah, where do you where are you, are you in California these days? I are you still yeah, I'm still in Southern California. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm I'm <laughs> still easily accessible. So <laughs> 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 drop drop me a line sometime. All right, thanks, Dan. thanks, thanks, and thanks.
2: congratulations on your podcast. All right, man.
1: thanks. That's Larry Wilmore. I appreciate his time, uh, the comedian, producer, and uh, commentator with a lot of uh, very interesting things uh, to say about uh, the state of comedy and Trump. And I really enjoy his his intelligence and his honesty. See, a lot of liberals are not either of those things, in my view, but Larry is, and that's why uh, I asked him on the program, having no idea that he would have been involved in that story involving M- Milo Yiannopoulos Ly- and uh, and telling him... You can go fuck yourself, all right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, that's hour number two of this week's podcast. We're doing a special hour number three involving all the many developments in the so-called Penn State scandal, including what I'm hoping is a an exclusive interview with the sister of Matt Sandusky, who's never spoken before. Uh, so make sure you check that out as well. As I ask you at the end of every hour, please share this podcast. If you enjoy it uh, on Twitter, Facebook, or any other social media, tell people about it. That's the only way that they'll get to know that it exists. I do this for free. I just want to get the word out there. And also do yourself a favor. And if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, make sure you Pay attention to this important message. My name's John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com.
0: Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed, ever. These sheets are, mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah, they're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. (laughs) Well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should, oh, I don't know. Try them out again? (laughs) (laughs) Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com.